0: Go ahead and take the speed up your number one now, runway like 273 land, Green Dot.
1: Well, nice guys, guys. Hello, and welcome to the Green Dot, EAA's podcast for anyone and everyone who loves aviation. I'm Hal Bryan. I'm EAA's senior editor for print and digital content and publications. And back in the studio, happy to say, I'm joined by someone whose work you hear, but whose voice you rarely do. Right across the table, special guest host.
2: I am Ty Windish, EAA's assistant editor and producer of The Green Dot and very happy to sneak across the line <laughs> and, and get back onto an episode when nobody was watching.
1: Now the the fact that you push the record button and then just switch seats, does that mean that when you normally produce, you really aren't doing anything, you're just sitting there?
2: I'm just gonna cut that question out of the finished audio. That's
1: perfectly fine. We'll expect a nice uh, a nice clean jump. Now, uh, our guest today is somebody who is no stranger to this podcast. He is no stranger than this podcast, in fact. Uh, but uh, normally, uh, as we were saying just before we started, we made him switch hats. So, Chris Henry, you're usually a host, but today you're in the hot seat. You're the guest.
0: It is. It's a little weird being on this side of the mic here, I guess. So. That's,
1: that's really the same side of the mic. Well, it is. it is. Different side of the table. Different though, side so. of the table. That's true. I as am. we yeah. And uh, and for those listening, of course, as we record this uh in the uh, still in the throes of the, the pandemic, even though many of us have uh, come back to the office anyway here at EA, we are, uh, we are certainly socially distanced. Uh, and that worked out well. That's the, uh, the, the joy of long microphone cables, I suppose. <laughs> so anyway, we thought we'd, uh, we'd make you switch seats and hats and, and rolls and everything, Chris, and uh, talk about this new, uh, uh, one, of, uh, one of the new exhibits that's gone into the museum, but uh, a new aircraft for us.
0: It is. I'm really excited. It's something that uh, as a rotorhead, I've kind of been wanting to see the museum uh, acquire uh, for the last several years. But uh, we were able to uh, get a UH-1 Huey helicopter. Um, totally uh, excited to see that come in. Um, and uh, I, I know we're going to get into a lot of the, the rivets here uh, of it, but uh, it was exciting to see it uh, get trailered on into us.
1: Well, that's cool. And that, of course, happened in the midst of all the complications around uh, around COVID and those other restrictions. So we'll we'll talk about that in a bit, too. But interesting to me that uh, just with the passage of time with our museum, um, this is something that we have an eagle hanger, and that has traditionally been the venue where we talk about military history and we have our warbirds and other artifacts and things. That's been largely focused on World War II since the advent of the museum, but we've seen an F eighty six and a Mig in there periodically, touching into Korea. Um, uh, Thomas More Scout, uh, that sort of his edge in there, is sort kind of covering World War One. Uh, but this is really our first foray into Vietnam, isn't it?
0: It is. It is. This is the first uh, aircraft that we have from the Vietnam era. Um, it, interestingly enough, if you go back several years, uh, sort of on the Gate Guard side of things, we actually had a couple Sky Raiders um and those are actually on different military bases now they were on loan to us um but this is the first true aircraft donation true artifact uh that uh that we have in in the museum proper here and uh it's really exciting to see that come in because you know when if you look back when eagle hangar was built it was you know it was opened in the 90s um you know it's about the 50th anniversary of world war ii and now, you know, we're uh, we're focusing – we're never going to lose that focus of the World War II generation. That, that's always going to be something special. Uh, but we are broadening the horizons a bit to make sure we're more inclusive of, of everybody's experience. Excellent.
2: Yeah, absolutely excellent. So then I suppose the the first obvious question here is where did the idea for the Huey exhibit come from? Was this something that, you know, we've been looking at for a while and the right opportunity came up? Or was this sort of a newer, like, we really need to, you know – branch out a little bit and feature this part of history as well.
0: Um, it's something that that personally I've been pushing for a couple years since I joined the museum team that um, I, I think we needed to get get a Huey um, and and there's several reasons why that aircraft uh, recently um, well, we, we have a uh, – our museum director is a Huey pilot, so it wasn't hard to uh, uh, to sell Ron on the idea of uh, – <laughs> That always Ron, makes I, it a little easier. Yeah, like, Ron, know. boy, we should have a Huey, you know, and he's like, well, that sounds good to me. Yes, yeah, because you know? <laughs> people uh, who flew those are really cool, <laughs> <laughs> which is true. Yeah, yes. E- exactly, yeah. so exactly. If you're listening, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very um, – you know, once I kind of came back with, hey, it, there's more to it than just getting a Huey. Um, you know, there's a lot of programming that comes with it that we could do. There's a lot of artifact display that we could do a lot of storytelling. And I think once, once we all sat down and we really took a hard look at it, rather than just a, the perspective of boy, wouldn't it be nice to have one? Um, we really got into what we could do with it. I, I think it was, it was kind of obvious that, yeah, we should, we should hunt one down and, and try and get one.
1: On well, the, uh, uh, let's get into that maybe just a little bit. What was the, where do you start? And you say, okay, well, uh, I'm Chris, and I would like a Huey. <laughs> oh, One a, Huey, please. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. Let's go uh-huh. on down to, you know, Iroquois R us. Yeah, and uh, exactly. See what they've uh, see what they got. I'll take that Bravo model in the yeah. back.
0: <laughs> so, uh, funny story is it happened almost like that. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So, of course anybody who visits the museum or follows us uh, knows that uh, a few years ago, uh, we hosted a, a temporary traveling exhibit called Take Me Home Huey. And, um, Dave Barron, uh, and Paula Barron, uh, are the folks who designed that, uh, with the art, with the artists, it's called Light Horse Legacy as their 501C3. Uh, I reached out to them and just said, Hey, you guys know a lot about these aircraft. Um, I, I'm a big Huey fan, but I don't know where they reside. You know, uh, I can find, I can help you find an F4 Phantom cause I kind of know Air Force stuff better. Uh, Army stuff. It's, it's new to us. So. Uh, So I called him and said, Hey, do you know who we could even talk to about trying to find one? And Dave uh, just fires back, uh, I have a B model here. Uh, Do you want it? And uh, (laughs) we're like, Oh my God. You know, yeah. So uh, so it was literally a phone call. Our curator, Ben, almost fell out of his chair because it was on speakerphone. And uh, it was like, Wow, that was. Okay, this wasn't too hard.
1: So, <laughs> is your job always that easy, Chris? Know, it's always no, that no it's not. Yeah. It's hey, not you that. got a got a yeah. helicopter? Yes. Yeah. Remember that time we cool. wanted a helicopter? Yeah, yeah. that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so it was,
0: uh, you know, it was dumb luck. Our, we were going to try to explore, uh, working with like places like the Army Aviation Museum and things like that. Uh, and as we'll get into, this worked out way better. I mean, and it's sometimes the, you know, the planets just align for for something good to happen. Sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the the serendipity of this particular aircraft. This Huey itself has a lot of history. Do you just want to go briefly into the specific aircraft in our Eagle Hanger?
0: Absolutely. So one of the things, the one prerequisite we really had on getting a Huey was we're not a military aviation museum. I mean, we have a component of our museum, like you said, the Eagle Hanger, uh, that that, that's sort of where we, we tell our military stories. Um, but you know, we're, we're sort of an air, uh, all aviation and even space museum. So we're a little bit of everything. Um, so we knew we were only gonna get one shot at this. We're only going to get one Huey and, uh, we wanted to make sure it was one that actually had some stories with it. That was, a, we really wanted to see if we could find one that actually did go to Vietnam. And, uh, this, this B model is all that we could have hoped for, uh, this aircraft, first off the B model, the Bravo model. Uh, It's a it's a shorter aircraft uh, a little bit the the later models were longer Uh, So this actually helps us fit it into the exhibit, which is great uh, because it fits perfectly Uh, The one problem with it though is a B model stuff is very hard to find Um, It's because it was shorter because the design was a little bit different It's a lot different than the D's and the H's that are out there Um, But uh, this aircraft flew with uh, two different units uh, no, most notably the 121st Vikings. They were based out of Sok Trang. Uh, this aircraft originally entered service as a, what they call a slick. It had uh, no guns or anything like that on it. It was a troop transport. Uh, the aircraft then was converted into a what they call a B-model gunship, uh, and that uh, it, on, on board that it carried uh, uh, miniguns, 7.62 miniguns, and uh, rocket pods. Uh, so, Uh, And and the aircraft would be support for troops, for other aircraft, things like that. Uh, The Vikings were sort of like the they were they called themselves the devils of the Delta. Uh, They were a very proud unit. You could not transfer to this unit. Um, You could ask to be transferred and then other Vikings would come in and vote as to whether or not you got into the unit or not. So it was kind of a exclusive unit to be in. Uh, they wore black berets uh, instead of uh, normal head headgear, uh, and uh, and they had a pet tiger. Uh, oh, so of course they did. Uh, kind of, kind yeah, of buried yeah. the lead there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, exactly. uh, the mention, they had. By the way, their tiger was named Tuffy the tiger. Yeah. Of, course. Um, of course, And we have photos of Tuffy getting a bath, not looking happy and stuff like that. So, uh, <laughs> and um, don't tell Carol Baskin. <laughs> yeah, no, <I> <laughs> no, exactly. Agree. This is uh, the true Tiger King came from there. So, <laughs> um, so we when we found that history out. Uh, and it's been really interesting because we're still tracking down history, and and the more we dig deeper, the more we find out. And and a, even as I'm talking, next week I could have more information. It's just as how it, it, the story seems to go. Uh, but we discovered that our aircraft uh, was had a name. It was called the Good Widow Mrs. Jones, um, and there's a whole story to how that came to be. And and uh, and eventually we will have the pilot uh, of the original Good Widow Mrs. Jones on. Um, But at any rate, our aircraft, um, we found out was attached to this unit. And one of the things we were working on is trying to find uh, artifacts because we – this is kind of a new horizon for us. We don't have a lot of Vietnam-era artifacts, especially for a helicopter pilot. Uh, We reached out to the 121st Viking Association, and they flooded us with artifacts and photos and stories that that are becoming abundantly clear. Uh, this aircraft uh, but uh, flew missions as a gunship. It was shot down um, and took damage, repaired. Uh, the aircraft then uh, took further damage because of contaminated fuel. Uh, what's interesting is when you go up to the aircraft, you can see uh, the bolt hole repairs that they just kind of patched in the field. Wow. Uh, they're still on the original skin and everything. You can see that up by the nose. Wow. Um, and uh, eventually... The really unique thing about this aircraft is it was retired, shipped home, and never flew again. So when the aircraft was picked up by Dave Barron and his crew at Light Horse, um, there were aspects, of course, that needed restored. I mean, a lot of the skin, things like that needed Mm -hmm. restored in certain places. But the interior, even though some of the gauges were missing and some of the, you know, maybe uh, handles or stuff like that needed replaced, that floor that you see in that aircraft is the original floor to the aircraft. Wow. So that's this, unusual. Yeah. So the dirt that you see up by the rudder pedals, there's like an orangish reddish kind of tint. That's, that's from the soil over in Vietnam. It's stained oh the, the, wow. the, the metal, the scratches in the rear cargo bay. Uh, and the weathering is all from people dragging stuff around the, during Vietnam. So that's all real. Wow. Uh, the dings and dents that this aircraft has are dings and dents that it got in Vietnam and there's stories to it. Um, one of my favorite things that we found is one of the crew members donated some photos to us, and there's a picture of a pretty significant round. I have no idea what kind of round it was, uh, maybe 50 cal that went through the door, and uh, a piece of armor plating saved the crew member so he didn't get hurt, uh, but there's a there's a – there's a, rat, there's a hole about the size of a Coke can in the door. Wow. Um, and when you go out to our helicopter, you can see in the door where that's patched. Oh, my goodness. And that that, that was where that damage took place. I mean, so things like that are really, uh, really cool, I think, to, to see that, that little piece of history preserved.
2: Well, and
1: you used a word there that was exactly what was going through my mind was, was preserved. And there's... Uh... For an artifact like this, there's a there's a there's a mix and there's even sometimes competing schools of thought about there about restoration versus preservation and things like this. Um, So I would love you to talk a bit about the, you know, some of the restoration that went in. But as sort of an editorial comment, I I I think overall, I'm a fan of the approach that was taken because. You know, it's not just a it's not just sort of a rusted, unpainted Hulk that's disassembled and then dropped on the floor. Look, this is exactly how it was. Right. right. It looks like the helicopter that it was. It's together. It does have paint on it. But we wouldn't in a million years. We wouldn't clean out that dirt. We wouldn't uh, tear those bullet hole patches off and reskin the airplane or the helicopter, make it look shiny and new and things like that.
0: Exactly. And that's one of the things I think uh, that I'm most proud of is. This aircraft is – so there's a couple things. One is if we had an aircraft with no history, it would have opened us up to be able to do what they call a representat- representation scheme. Sure. Which is kind of like, yeah, you know, it's it didn't have any history, so we're going to paint it up in the markings of someone who flew combat. Sure. Um, just digging into what I'm seeing, um, and I'm, I'm somewhat new at it here, um, but it is somewhat rare. To see a combat veteran Huey on display in its original markings, you know, in the markings it really did carry. It's really our tail number seven three three. This really is seven three three. And then when when the restoration progress uh, happened, uh, process happened. Uh, Dave Barron, those guys. I mean, they, you know, they, they were careful to paint it in the flat olive drab paint, the paint that really should have been on it. You know, it's very easy to want to put some glossy. You know, nice paint on it because it looks nice and things like that. But this is the actual paint code that goes on the aircraft. Um, our rotor blades actually are weathered. They have the chipping and everything on the leading edges, how the, the paint would flake off on the real ones or on the combat machines. Um, and inside the – when you go inside it, there's this patina of dirt and dust uh, on some of the components – well, on, on everything. And then, like I said, under the rudder pedals, you've got this this – you know, sort of orange staining is the best way I can explain it. Uh, that's only original once. You know, once you take that out and you clean that completely out, it's gone. And you could try to recreate it, but that's all it is is a recreation. And uh, I, I think it's important to keep it this way. One of the coolest uh, comments I heard from a Vietnam vet who – because we shared some pictures um, on, online when we, when we announced the story that the aircraft had arrived – was it, it really made me feel good. Cause I was a little worried that maybe folks wouldn't totally get what we were aiming at here. But I had, I got a comment from a Vietnam helicopter pilot and he just simply said, finally, a museum has one that looks the way we had them. Wow. And uh, when I asked him about it, he said, you know, we treated them like Jeeps. And he goes, they were, they were just army Jeeps that flew. And he goes, so they were, they were banged around. They weren't really loved on like a fighter would have been or something. You know, he says they were, they were a tool of the trade. Um. So they, he was, that made me feel good, and the guys that have have seen it from the Viking uh, Association basically have said that's exactly what it looked like in theater. You know, minus a few components that, uh, with any luck, we're going to have installed here soon. So,
2: yeah, that's that's absolutely terrific. I mean, you mentioned there um, about you know bringing it into the Eagle Hangar. What was that process like, and was it impacted at all by the fact that we do have this pandemic kind of overshadowing everything right now?
0: Well, absolutely. We we really plan to have a big uh, event. At, mm-hmm. at it we, we, we planned it was a smaller event when the aircraft arrived a larger event for the ribbon cutting and uh, we still of course are going to do a ribbon cutting down the road um yeah getting it here was a bit of an interesting uh ordeal uh Dave Baron and Carl uh, long brought it uh, all the way from Arizona Glendale Arizona is where oh. it was restored and uh the interesting thing that I uh, saw is we did still manage to do a little... Splash. We had the military veteran museum down the road do an escort for us up the road here with their uh, Vietnam era trucks. Um, what was interesting though is along the way, um, and not just this aircraft, but the other aircraft that, Paul, uh, that um, um, Dave Barron has transported, um, is that you get people emotional along the way. Like the aircraft's not even installed in the museum, but we were coming up the frontage road. And people were like slowing down and cheering and honking their horns and stuff at us as we were going up the frontage road with the Huey. Um, the aircraft's not even in the in the building yet, and you've got Vietnam veterans out sharing their story already. You know, just seeing this thing has sort of you know evoked some memories and and you know those stories have been corked up for a long time. They need to get them out, and uh, mm-hmm. this is sometimes a catalyst to, to let them let that happen. Absolutely.
1: Tell us a little bit about the exhibit itself. Uh, it's for those that maybe have been to the museum or familiar with it. Uh, what's in the Eagle Hangar? That special projects area actually is, has been uh, replaced or yeah. has now been repurposed uh, as this. So tell us, describe the exhibit.
0: Um yeah, so the secret area is what we called it. Uh in the last form, I think, and it it's where some of the more racy nose art was when uh that was here last.
1: I'm familiar with it. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um before that we had the disassembled Bouchon uh in there to kind of make it look like uh you know, like a captured airplane being evaluated or something. Um some really there was always some really neat stuff in there and we wanted to do something different we didn't want to just drop a huey on the floor in the museum and say there you go you know now we've got something for vietnam mm-hmm. um we wanted to make sure we were paying the proper respect uh to vietnam vets and also trying to educate and maybe immerse younger people who were trying to learn from it um we studied photos of where our helicopter was based at the sock Trang, and we pulled out certain features of Soc Trang that that kept standing out in the photos and to us, it meant that if guys, because you remember at the time, this, you know, these weren't digital cameras, these were film cameras, you were paying for the shot. Um, if they took enough pictures of something, it's like, well, obviously, that was a focal point for them. Uh, one of the things was the control tower. They always had pictures of the control tower. Um, so we actually recreated the control tower from Sock Trang. Uh, the helicopter ramp had its own smaller uh, ramp, almost like the Warbird uh, ramp here at AirVenture uh, uh, does. So we built a replica of the Sock Trang tower. It's so it's such a good replica. Steve Taylor and his crew built such a great deal. They weathered it because the one in the photos always looks weathered. So when they painted it, they actually weathered the thing. And some of the Vikings were actually asking, "Did we somehow get the original oh, tower? Because wow. uh, it looked it does look they like there's there were rain shades on the windows on the bottom of it, and like Steve recreated these wind sh- wind these rain shades. Wow. Uh, I mean, so it looks the part, you know. Um, we noticed that barrels, they always used uh, 50-gallon drums as revetments, and they would use it as walkways and you know and everything else. So we recreated that. So when you walk into the exhibit, depending on where you're walking in from, you're going to walk in through a doorway that's sort of outlined with these 50-gallon drums. Mm. Um, we wanted to capture uh, those areas of the Vikings, but we also wanted to tell the bigger story of the Healy in Vietnam. The aircraft was so widely used. Um, so we do have components of the exhibit to tell the storyline of the Huey and the helicopter in Vietnam and why it was such a, um, why it's a big deal for us to get this air, aircraft, why the Huey stands out so much for Vietnam. It's it's certainly an icon. And then of course there's a panel that calls out uh, all the Vietnam veterans who lost their lives in West, from Wisconsin. Uh, that, so we uh, definitely have some, some cool uh, uh, graphics some some real good information that flows through there. And hopefully a little bit of immersive feel of, you know, this is kind of what it would look like over at Sok Trang.
1: Well, there's the—I don't think you mentioned the giant photo mural uh, that that no. backs the whole thing. Yeah. Can you can you tell us uh, where that was taken? So
0: that was actually taking uh, that was taken over there. That is a National Archives photo, I believe. Oh. Um, but it is uh, in the area of Sok Trang, and it's a, a sort of the rice paddies. It's almost like yeah. sort of like a sunset, um, but it's really really neat, and that's sort of the backdrop uh, for the whole exhibit up top, and it really helps set the tone. Mm-hmm.
2: That's, that's fantastic. You know, I just wanted to ask, I mean, you've been so integral to this whole exhibit getting put together. What was it like for you when the the helicopter arrived and we, you know, we've now placed it and we're still finishing the exhibit around it, but it's for the most part, the Huey is here. The Huey is now sitting very proudly in the Eagle Hangar. What was that been like for you?
0: Um, it, it, It's, it's, a, it's emotional to, to get to be a part of bringing something like that to the museum. I mean, it's, it's my favorite, uh, my favorite aviation museum, and one of my favorite aircraft. I mean, so uh, um, it's emotional. It's also a relief, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's sort of like you're tasked with bringing Thanksgiving uh, dinner to uh, your your families and. You have to make sure you bring the turkey, <laughs> and because uh, <laughs> yeah. it would have not been a very good Huey exhibit without the Huey. So <laughs> that's fair to say. <laughs> um, and that's actually an analogy I've used with my team several times: is I got to make sure I get the turkey to Thanksgiving dinner. But uh,
1: well, and, and as most people don't know, don't know this, but the last time I invited Chris over for Thanksgiving, he brought a helicopter yeah, instead exactly. of dinner. Yeah. But that was actually awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it it's also a relief because I, you know, my office is right on the museum floor. And, you know, I, I get a lot of questions from from vets, especially ones that, um, you know, that come in and want to that want to show their grandkids what they did or what they flew in the war. Um, and now we have an answer to that because we would get a question of there's nothing for Vietnam veterans. And and that was one of the driving forces of, you know, we really we, we should, you know, mm-hmm. um, the uh, something else we have in the exhibit is a projector. Uh, that will actually show all the different paint schemes the Hueys wore. And that way we're trying to represent everybody. So that, let's say you're a Marine and you come in and you flew Marine Hueys. You know, you, you can look at our aircraft and tell your kids, like, well, this, this is what I flew, but it looked different. Well, there'll still at least be a visual representation of your aircraft kind of scanning through on this projector. Oh, wow, so,
1: that's, that's excellent. Because so they were used by, uh, by all, all the branches, everybody, right? Yeah, everybody, everybody used, used, used the Huey uh, the Navy sea wolves and all of that kind of stuff. It's, you know, it's fascinating to me. Um, and you know, you don't want to go down a slippery slope of, of, uh, you know, picking favorites or something, but I'm hard pressed to think of another, uh, of another aircraft that so completely symbolizes, uh, the era and the conflict. I mean, we can say World War II and you say, well, the P-51. Well, don't forget the B-17. What about the B-29? Well, what about the enemy aircraft? Things like this. There are absolute icons that deserve their position uh, from major, uh, you know, other major conflicts and wars. But when you look at the the Vietnam era, I, I mean, nobody can argue that the Huey represents that. Okay. It's, you know, we can talk F-4s and F-105s and B-52s and, you know, all these other things in terms of, of the aircraft side of it. And, uh, and not to take anything away from those. But I, I want to say that even if you went to, uh, you know, some a wild weasel pilot who was, who was over there and saying, if I, if, I got, if I have to put one aircraft in the museum that just sort of captures Vietnam, I, I bet they wouldn't object if you said it was the Huey.
0: Well, and that's exactly what we've been seeing. Um, it's something else that I uh, wanted to touch on is that, you know, let's say, you know, the F-4 is a great example. I love the F-4 Phantom. Um, and, you know, if we had an unlimited size hanger, I mean, we would certainly have one or two of those in there. Um, but
1: two in case one gets dirty. Exactly. (laughs) You know, exactly.
0: One to sit in and one, you know, um, but, uh, unless you were maybe an F4 guy, um, chances are the F4 didn't play a part in your everyday life. What I love about the Huey is even if you had nothing to do with aviation and you were a grunt there's a very good chance the Huey still interacted with you over in Vietnam you know mm-hmm. that was your that was your ride home that was your ride to the battlefield or to a new base um we're also we we actually are just starting to hear from Army nurses that flew on dust off is what the medical uh, Evac Hueys were called um that uh are saying that you know they're sharing their stories a little bit of you know I flew I flew into to, to combat to to help uh, a wounded soldier and we, we took a Huey and here's um, what's really interesting is a lot of pictures that are showing up. Of here's a picture of me in the Huey that day, and wow. um, so you're, it's an aircraft that's really able to touch a lot. I mean, and um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's tough. I mean, maybe Battle of Britain Spitfire. Um, yeah, but know, then you you've you've got
1: to acknowledge the hurricane. You, yeah, exactly, made, technically made a, exactly. a bigger contribution. But but that's a good point, though. It that that at least comes. At least comes close, but yeah. even that's that's one theater, one piece of uh, exactly of of the larger uh, the larger conflict.
2: Yeah, I mean, just from the the younger generation perspective, I guess whenever I think of Vietnam, pictured in any sort of movie, I know we touch on movies a lot. We have whole episodes, right? Yeah. What's the first thing you always see? You hear yeah. even the yeah, f- the yeah. Wop, 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 yeah. that's immediately yeah. what I thought of when yeah. we talked about first talked about you know bringing the Huey here. I was like, oh, that. To me, made perfect sense, and yeah. I'm not—I don't have as in-depth knowledge as you guys, so I'm glad you agree. It makes me feel smarter, but that's—that's that's the first <laughs> that's thing why I get think. Get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> just that—that that almost cloud of—it's just so yeah. synonymous with Vietnam. Yeah. So I think I agree with you too. Whatever that means, I think it makes perfect sense.
0: What's really been interesting is the—you uh, know—the the amount of emotions that are still there from mm-hmm. Vietnam, and that you're seeing them come out. Um, I won't, uh, I'll tell you, you know, there's a coworker uh, of ours that said that his father-in-law served in Vietnam and never really talked about it, and they went to a party uh, over the 4th of July, I think, they just went over to his house, not really a party, but, um, and he said, you know, he asked me what I was working on, and I said, an exhibit for the Huey, and he said, suddenly, like, all these stories just got offloaded, of here's this is the time that we accidentally cut, you know, the elephant grass on fire with our smoke grenade, you know, waiting for our Huey and, <laughs> wow. and, you know, all these stories just kind of got downloaded, you know? Wow. And, uh, you know, and I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think we're going to see a lot of emotions with the hell, with the helicopter. Um, you know, the B 17 is always near and dear to our, to, to our heart. Absolutely. And, oh yeah. And with, with that aircraft, we saw a ton of emotion. And I think with the Huey, I think it's going to be on the same level. Uh, and even in some parts, maybe, more emotional, just because of, you know, the feelings that sometimes are associated with that conflict.
2: Right.
1: No, absolutely, and the uh, the the lack of uh, of or maybe not even lack. This the very different sentiments, as you said, different feelings, different sentiments when when those guys came home, and the uh, and the the time that it took for people to get to a place. Uh, Whether where they could reach out to those veterans and 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 say thank you for your service, thank you for serving over there. We you know we welcome you back. Um, so it'll be uh, you know certainly be a privilege for us going forward to have that touchstone there in the museum.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It uh, it's been fun. The last couple of weeks I've been getting the personal effects. Um, you know the crews don't really hundred uh, percent know what I'm up to, but uh, they've been uh, I've been asking them things like, what did you you know I'm talking to our original pilot uh two of the original pilots and our crew chief from our aircraft so that's super helpful because it doesn't get any more direct than that and you know i'd ask them like what's your favorite uh sea ration that you took with you you know or what was your you know what did you did you smoke and if you did what did you what did you smoke and uh what did you do what did you listen to the green
1: dot does not condone smoking no yeah absolutely not (laughs)
0: Yeah. and uh um but you know what did you what music did you listen to? Music was such a big part of Vietnam, and yeah. uh, so we're we're incorporating a lot of their direct answers into the display of the aircraft, which I really can't wait for them to see because uh, I don't think they're they know that that's going to happen. So. Uh, that's <laughs> exciting stuff.
1: So uh, as we're recording, this recording is on uh, July fifteenth. It's probably going out. Uh, Tomorrow? Today, or T- tomorrow today or tomorrow yeah. very soon so, as soon as one of our co-hosts uh, jumps off of the mic and gets back to the board and, and makes it makes yeah. <laughs> give it a try chris make with the editing yeah that'll be interesting um, <laughs> there's two of us that have editor in our job title but let's have him do it <laughs> but uh, uh anyway uh it's subject to change, and of course, we're watching conditions and things right now. But as of right now, we're targeting August third as the museum reopening date.
0: That's correct. Yes, as of right now, so, as we're talking, August third is our museum open date, and uh, and we're hoping uh, you know to do something later in the year for ribbon cutting with the Huey. Sure, but but you can still come out and see the the aircraft is on exhibit. The exhibit's open,
1: and the the exhibit is, is it looks fantastic. It's yeah, it's I mean, fleshed out. It's uh, it's complete. Um, and you'd of course have to point out that uh, uh, Ty. Some of our team worked on that a bit. Uh, uh, I know we all all uh, did some editing work and things, on some of the writing. Ben did uh, over the museum side did a lot of the base writing. Jen on our side uh, did a bunch of writing. Uh, was was Nick Hansen uh, yes. mainly yeah. on the design side? And Nick, Jeff Benedict, um, and, and yeah, uh, Jeff getting stuff uh, printed and put together, and. You know, that's always exciting, uh, exciting stuff. I mean, Chris, well, all three of us worked on the B-17 book. Uh, Ty and I, we work on the magazine every month. And uh, there is something powerful about, you know, you're starting with a Word document and you read it, you know, maybe 40 times and get it polished and get it just right. But then, you you know, you pick up a magazine, you pick up a book off the shelf, or now you walk into a, a room and see these giant words on the wall and think, it just started as, I mean, it was started as a white screen and a blinking cursor with yeah. nothing there. And yep. then now it's turned into something that uh, that supports uh, and and hopefully, you know, lives up to the role of the sort of thing that supports an exhibit like this Huey.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the coolest things about working here is that, uh, you know, anybody can have an idea. And then once that gets rolling, it's it's awesome to see, like, the entire teams just come together and take their part you know and, and it was interesting like for example the down to the uh you know uh the the gentlemen the the folks from weeks uh who were probably in their like 20s that are help that were helping us tow the in. and started thinking like like these guys are towing an aircraft that's like 60 years old right you know <laughs> and uh you know just multiples of their age you know and uh um it's just exciting it's exciting to see Other people excited about it as well, like the people who wrote, you know, the stuff for pubs, um, you know, when they come down and see it on the wall and they see their aircraft, you know, their words sort of behind the aircraft and on display. It's uh, it's really cool. It's just a it's a neat team environment here. I really enjoy that.
1: Well, it's very gratifying. And there's not to just keep patting ourselves on the back over and over and over. But there's a lot of talent and a lot of disparate talent. In house, I think we're very, very fortunate, and that's—I uh, think we'd all agree—is one of the things that makes it such a fun, enjoyable, very much a rewarding place to place to work. Absolutely. It would be a very different thing if if we said, "Okay, we've got this helicopter now, let's go hire a company to design an exhibit around it." And there's companies that do that, and there's companies that are very, very good at that. There, but there's a there's a powerful sense of ownership I think across the staff and volunteers, your docents in the museum, and things when we know that. You know, we do we do this kind of thing in-house, and we all come together and work together on it. Uh, we're all invested in telling that story.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think it tells well better for... I think that's why we get this really great reaction from the people, whether it's our speakers, whether it's the guests, like our Huey crew that's going to be here, when they're amongst all the, the people who work here, because simply they're with everybody who they've talked to or helped put to get this thing together. So... You know, it's not this this sort of foreign object that we hired somebody to come in and build some stuff around. It's it's a lot of our own blood, sweat, and tears that's in the exhibit and and uh, or in the magazine or in the book or whatever it is that we're talking about. But. Uh, um, yeah, it's very, uh, very proud to be on staff with you all here. It's, it's, it certainly is a cool place to be.
2: Absolutely. Now I'm just fired up to go look at some of these authentic details on the Huey. I've been sitting Absolutely. here. Absolutely. I've been ready to wrap up at like the 10-minute mark because yeah. now I'm like, I want to go see these bullet holes because yeah. oh. it's
1: like 100 yards from us right now. Yeah. <laughs> all I, gotta, I gotta just got to take this headset off, open that door that sometimes doesn't work, <laughs> yeah. and, and just get on over there.
0: There was a brief moment. I got to tell you this whole thing that uh, I was sitting there with, and I kid you not, the C-rations are – we, we've gotten everything from the Vietnam era. Wow. Um, so the C-rations were Vietnam era issued. Um, they were the flavor that our crew preferred. <sighs> they would try to get a certain flavor. And I kid you not, the title, and as an Italian, I'm just flabbergasted by this, <laughs> is spaghetti and then slash – with meat chunks and that's actually what it says stenciled on the box and uh wow i you know part of me was like i wonder what that tastes like you know i was gonna say so
1: so you were out for about a month with about a food poisoning now was <laughs> yeah, there any yeah, exactly, connection whatsoever exactly. does was that the, coincide with the first batch was,
0: of sea rack it was the the meat chunks that got <laughs> me yeah <laughs> well, sounds delicious yes, yeah yes. yeah
1: lesser men have been felled by less i don't know there's a there's a cliche in there somewhere. <laughs> so, well, guys, uh, uh, we're all chomping at the bit to, uh, to hit the stop button and go look at this uh, look at this artifact and take in the exhibit. We hope everybody out there uh, gets the chance to do the same again. As we're recording this, the current plan of record is an August third opening, and here's hoping that uh, that goes through as planned. Uh, Chris, I hope it was fun for you to to uh, yeah. to switch seats and switch roles a little bit, as it was uh, it was a ton of fun to put you on the hot seat and
0: yeah, it was fun to do it. Absolutely, Happy make you do, do all the work while Ty yeah. and I just <laughs> grill you with random questions. The bright lights really good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well,
1: you deserved it. Yeah. So and uh, and Ty, of course, thanks. Uh, you're switching roles too. I'm the only one who's here, sort of doing what what I usually do on these things, which yeah. is prattle on and on uh but anyway (laughs) thanks uh thanks to you guys thanks uh especially to everybody out there who listens and takes the time to send us feedback you can always uh, send us a note at feedback at EA.org. Uh, we love the uh, the comments we get on the blog. You go to inspire.ea.org and each episode has its own post there. And we get uh, we get a ton of great comments from people there that are always, uh, always greatly appreciated. The reviews on uh, iTunes in particular or anywhere you uh, can review your podcasts, those mean the world to us. And... Uh, and that's the reason we've been able to do, uh, to just keep going and and do more and more episodes, uh, keeping this uh, keeping this ship afloat, as they say, to use a. Strange nautical analogy <laughs> in a world of aviation for no reason whatsoever. Somewhere, Tom Charpentier is smiling. Oh, yes, yes. 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 <laughs> Salute you, Tom. I think he's out in Wyoming or something right now. But undisclosed location, an undisclosed location. But with that, thank you again, everybody. Please keep listening. Keep the feedback coming, and we look forward to catching up with you next time when you're cleared to land on the green dot.